I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and good evening and welcome along to the flagship show here at Five Yard Rush. I, as I say as ever, as I have been of late, uh, and Dan Hughes going to guide you through our Week 18 show, uh, the first real Week 18 I guess the NFL has had. I'm joined as always by Murph. Good evening, Murph. How are you, sir? Yeah, not doing too bad. Thanks, mate. I mean, we were in for a treat yesterday with the football. Unbelievable day of football. I, I mean, I, I went into the week kind of worried, thinking, well, everything's kind of decided. And, you know, it felt a bit anticlimactic, didn't it? But it yeah, didn't play it out that I, I kind of thought we were just going to roll out. There'd be a couple of good games. Yep. I thought the early slate would be poor. And then I thought, well, we'll get the evening slate. It'd be nice. We'll watch a few things. Nothing's really going to get. And then it'll be something like football. That will decide one playoff spot. And it'll be fine. And then you had all this drama. I mean, it was a great advertisement for why the NFL is so it's so brilliant, why it's such a, an unbelievable sporting spectacle because you get scenes like what happened in Sunday Night Football. And 
you know, that was just magical and it really delivered. And, you know, I think, I think at times this year, the NFL season, especially in that early slate of games, it's at the, the 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. games here, the 1 p.m. games, have been a little flat. They tended to really not stack the deck too well um, in those early slates. And I think there's been some times where we've been a bit deprived of some action. Yesterday, more than made up for it. And then today as well, just phones going off every two minutes. It's Black Monday. So, you know, it's 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 great now we're in the playoffs, but sad too because, you know, less and less games, no more red zone. But it's no, all but we right. We do get We've to sit and watch every game now. That's true. That's the thing. You, can, you can sit and watch every play from every game uh, without interruption now, which is nice. Well, we can watch it on delay or record or skip the adverts the next day because uh, the scheduling now for us over in the UK gets a little bit stupid, to say the least, <laughs> doesn't it, fans? So, um, it does. We've landed on our feet. Our Buccaneers have got the 6pm Sunday slot, I think, is the best one we could possibly have hoped for and probably the last one, I think, of the year as well. So uh, we need to make the most of that. Yeah, we'll touch upon uh, we'll touch upon who we're playing, but uh, yeah, I'm Indeed. looking forward to it. It's going to be a great, um, a great weekend. That's it. And we are joined, as you can probably tell, by by another guest here. We have uh, award-winning Amazon best-selling author of the Fantasy Playbook and host of Fantasy Pros podcast, Joe Pisapier. How are you, Joe? Are you good, sir? I'm doing very well, and thank you for giving me credit for the book that Murph writes. That's really say. good. I like that. <laughs> uh, it's excellent. Murph, congratulations on all those uh, best-selling uh, novels yeah. you've been writing. Yeah, on, thanks. So. Uh, you know, if we're going to swap franchises, I mean... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, <sighs> the Black Book is an unbelievable book. We talk about it every year. We oh, I just tease it, man. I'm having fun. It's January, and I'm just happy to be here, man. <laughs> I'm happy that we made it through. But, uh, yeah, guys, thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, I thought Week 18 was brilliant. I thought it was fantastically mm-hmm. entertaining. You had overtime games all over the place. You had the Jaguars beating the Colts, which still makes me giddy. I just think it's hilarious. I mean, not even beating them, but handing them their lunch. Like, it was awesome. And and the fact that I think now that you've only got the one buy for each conference, I think what you're seeing lately with that is there's so many more things in play, which does make this, this last week of football a little bit more entertaining than it normally does. And because you also have that odd number of games as opposed to the even, I think what we're in store for this past week is what we're going to see going down in the future, where week 18 almost becomes like this weird play-in week where there's a lot of jockeying for position, all this stuff going on. So the dynamic of going to 17 games instead of 16, the dynamic of only one uh, actual real bye week and that really meaning a great deal by comparison to all the other teams that don't have one, I think you're going to see a lot more wacky, really entertaining week 18 football, that's for sure. I, I'm, I'm, I at least think that's the trend where it's going, and I think it's great for the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. We've got the smoke show. I've just written in saying good day, gentlemen. So lovely to uh, have you join us. Thank you. Um, I, I agree with you 100%. And I think um, when we go to, uh, you know, 18 games and we have a, a week 19, because that, that's going to happen, right? It's going to happen. Probably. Not in the next few years, but maybe in the next 10. Uh, it will definitely happen because the demand is there. The supply is there. It's easy to do. Um, I think you're just going to get more and more of these scenarios where you got things playing for. And as you say, you know, the jockeying for position, because it's so important, like for the Buccaneers yesterday, they were never really likely to get the two seed. And then all mm. of a sudden they get that, that really that's, an ex- yeah. that's an, if they win, it's an extra home game. Like you, mm-hmm. the two seeds worth playing for. It's not, right. a, it's not a nothing. It's huge. It's huge. It could be the Rams or the Niners, and that's a long old journey out to the West Coast to East Coast. So to have that at mm-hmm. home rather than away is a massive, massive 
uh, advantage. Yeah. I yeah, mean, 100%. and then you see some of the permutations that were going into Sunday Night Football, what that meant for the Raiders, and, and you know, everyone watching this has probably knows the results. The fact that the Raiders, you know, have that decision of, well, we can tie, and then we can go and play um, Kansas City, or we can kick this and win it, mm-hmm. and we can go and play the Bengals. Like, which, and you're picking your own fate, which I, I quite like that. I quite like the fact that you always have something to play for, that yeah. you've sizing up your opponents. Um, and you didn't have that as much. And when you had 16 games, all the eight and eights, it was all tiebreakers and things were already kind of done. Now that you have a, a real, you know, <laughs> a real official record tiebreaker, it makes a big difference. And I, I still can't believe the Steelers ended up backing into the playoffs. I mean, it's just, I mean, after all of that, after all of the nonsense and all the things, it's just, it was wild. It was a great finish. And that last game was very entertaining and, you know, like unless you're Brandon Staley, in which case it probably was less entertaining. <laughs> but uh, he's got plenty of time out now to think about it. For the rest of the uh, you there? Little dad yeah, joke. Oh, yeah, <laughs> loved it. Um, I I think right now my one conclusion that now we're at the end of the season is someone needs to put Mike Tomlin in the Hall of Fame now. Like, yeah. This might be his greatest ever achievement to take that probably. team with that quarterback who's done. I mean, he's cooked. He's so cooked. He, like. I, I like to think I can probably throw a ball further than Ben Roethlisberger right now. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not saying much. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, he's got him to another <laughs> another playoff. Look, there. Tomlin's a wonderful coach. And and Tomlin's also, you know, here's the only thing with Tomlin is I'd love to see him do it without Roethlisberger. And that's the thing. It's it's He inherited a franchise quarterback. And whatever you think about Ben Roethlisberger, he's been a franchise quarterback. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. So it's always much more difficult to have a situation where you've got to come in there and start fresh with quarterback. And it doesn't matter who that person is, it's very difficult to make those adjustments. It's very difficult to choose the right person and all those things. So he's had a ready-made situation from day one, and I give him credit. He's had to remake it several times, but he's always had the quarterback. I still think he's a Hall of Fame coach anyway. I was actually thinking today about Mike Evans wondering, I think Mike Evans might be a Hall of Fame wide receiver now. Like I think we have to start having that conversation the consistency, what he's done, and you know the jabroni quarterbacks that he's played with in his career, and now getting to play with Brady, it makes you wonder how good could Mike Evans have been had he played with Brady his whole career or something like that. So there's a couple of guys I think at the end of this year we have to kind of reevaluate and reestablish and start to think about yeah, how good have these bodies of work been? And I think Tomlin's one of them for sure as a coach, and I think Mike Evans might be one of them as a player. Yeah, well, I think Mike Evans. I don't think he's that far away now. I think uh, yeah. if you'd said to people two years ago. You'd have said no. He gets the seven. He breaks the record for the thousand yard season. He gets the ring, but now it's the touchdowns. Seventy five touchdowns. If he keeps on this pace, I mean, he he is on Randy Moss, Terrell Owens pace for touchdowns. He's not going to beat Rice. He well, he's not that thing. talent. I don't think. I don't no. think I'd ever want to put him in that conversation. No, but no, I think no. he's in that next tier talent now, where you start to think about those other guys in that that next grouping, you know, like the number two grouping that the, like, if you want to put Moss and Rice and those guys in the elite, that yeah. next group, I think Evans from a statistical standpoint, it's very impressive. And the consistency in which he's been able to do it has been really impressive. Yeah. But that, but that's my point is if he plays another seven years, it gets him into the 150 touchdown club, which only involves those three players. Mm-hmm. If he keeps pace, and he might not, I don't think his body will hold up that long. Oh, I don't think so. But either. I think if he gets a hundred touchdowns, which you're looking at 25 more, over the next three, four seasons, he should do it, you'd expect. Maybe even five. 
he gets in with a hundred touchdowns, a hundred percent. Because you look at the guys who've got a hundred touchdowns, there's not many of those guys who've got there and not made it into the hall. And then you got the ring, you've got the eight thousand yard seasons. If he doesn't do it again, wouldn't bet against him if Tom Brady comes back of him doing it nine straight years. Yeah, I think there's a few a few, like you say, I think there's a few players that have really stood out and, and changed perspectives this year. But speaking of changing environments, we do have uh changing environments by the uh by the hour. Um with Black it's Monday. Black Monday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's not the good one where the shops put everything on sale. That's a Friday, I believe, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. Very good. Very good. Um, but yeah, Black Monday, notorious. And some teams didn't even wait for Monday this year. They, uh, they pulled the trigger yesterday. Um, but we've seen head coaches and GMs across the league start to, to fall foul of this. Um, I think most surprisingly, especially for here, was, was Brian Flores at the Dolphins. Would you agree, Murph? Yeah, I would. Oh, I'm sorry. Murph, go ahead. Oh, okay. you, you, go, Joe. No, go. no I, yeah, that one was surprising because <clears throat> you saw how well they played in the second half. He had Tua, who has been hurt, right? I mean, so yep. many times this year, he had to go to backup quarterback. And he still got them to play. Like, the guys played for him. So this had to be a situation where you know, him and the GM just didn't get along or see eye to eye. Or maybe, you know, the organization sees Tua one way and he sees him another. I don't know which is which. But it was a little puzzling. I mean... I thought Flores did a very good job considering what he had to work with, to be honest with you. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I think Flores should be looked at for another job because the measuring stick is do the guys play for you? And I think the answer for Flores is yeah. I mean, last year too. That team gets up to play for that dude. Yeah, I I would say this twofold. First of all, that record is a a false record for me because the first half of the season they have one of the hardest schedules and then the second half of the season they have the easiest schedule. They didn't beat many, if any, good teams. Um, you know, I lost to the Jags in, in London. Um, but I think for me, Stephen Ross gave you everything that you needed to know, and that is communication and organizationally, he didn't fit. It wasn't about results, it wasn't about the coaching, it was about behind the scenes, as you said, not getting on with the GM. I don't think he got on with the quarterback. The fact that Tua wasn't a captain this year suggests to me that there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes um whether that was the coach or there was a disagreement between the two i think it was very fractured at times that relationship i you know there's been rumblings of fracturedness with the defense that he was calling i think he's one of those that he'll get a good number of players to play for him and i think some players will just flat out won't put up with it almost like the belichickian kind of approach because that's what he's come from the problem you have is you've got an owner who doesn't like negative press, who's not going to stand there and have the team scrutinized in the way that it does, which is why he makes the changes so frequently. Uh, he loves it when it's all positive, but St- Stephen Ross is not going to put up with with coaching BS, basically, where, you know, Flores isn't giving answers. The whole dual offensive coordinator business was weird. The fact that he didn't name who was calling plays. Like, why does that need to be a secret? Why why does it matter who calls the plays? Like, why is that proprietary information that's so bad that we can't tell anyone who's calling, who who was the one speaking into the mic and calling the play? Like, why does that, why does that matter? Why is that the, the hill that I, you're going to die on as a coach? I don't mind that not knowing because people have their favoritisms and tendencies so why would you declare it keep it back 
because you're everything's about, anal- everything's about analytics and studying. And if you know, Mr. Offensive Coordinator actually runs 96% of the time on third and two, then you'd play to that. So why not keep all, it a secret? But that's all there. The play. But you don't know who's calling the plays. The yeah, but it's just who is physically calling the plays. Mm-hmm. They know the plays being run. They're all there on tape. You know, you gain no advantage by, you know, it, it, it's basically saying there's it, just a lot of things that happened. I'm, I'm not surprised yeah. they moved on. <clears throat> Um, I'm, I'm surprised I'm not shocked. I think that's probably the way, but um, yeah, we'll another as you job, say, right? head coach, defensive coordinator somewhere, at least a defensive Flores, coordinator. Flores role, will so. get a defensive coordinator job, I think. At least. I think there's going to be enough makes, openings. I mean, the Patriots it, will make the most sense to go it back. Be, it wouldn't be shocking to see him go back there. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I've also heard, and this is from someone that I know who covers the team and, you know, one of those kind of situations that the Tua entourage is a lot to deal with. And apparently, you know, that there's some friction there. And I had heard that back in November. I had that conversation with the person when they were talking about that. And it was kind of around the trade deadline stuff where we were talking about, like, I wonder when then apparently that was a big thing. Now, I don't know who it rubbed the wrong way the most. Like, again, I don't know if it's the coach or the GM, but to his entourage of people and his, you know, his approach to things sometimes. Apparently, it was rubbed some people the wrong way, which is why the Deshaun Watson conversations were happening in the first place, which is why they were kicking the tires on all those things in the offseason and in the season. So, you know, when at the end of the day, when you see stuff like that, whenever you see trade rumors, whenever you see things like that in an organization, you know people aren't on the same page or you know that, you know, something is off there. So, again, like you said, you probably put it best, Murphy. It's, it's surprising, but it's not shocking at the end of the day. Yeah, Bye. I think um, it'd be interesting to see where he ends up. It, there's a lot of jobs out there. Um, as we're going to cover in a second, no, in a sec, yeah. it wouldn't shock me if he's going to get an interview at a couple of those. Um, but we'll see where he ends up. Fine. Uh, so if that one came as a surprise, one that probably came as much less of a surprise was uh, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace leaving their roles as Bears head coach and GM. Not shocked by that one, are you, Joe? No, I mean, none of the rest <laughs> of them shocked me. I mean, to be honest, I think we all expected the rest of them, right? I mean, Matt Nagy. Uh, yeah. It, it's a it's a fall from grace for yeah. Nagy, who that first year it looked like oh we're building something and Trubisky and all this stuff and then it just completely just nosedived ever since. And I think he also did himself a disservice. Had he just played Fields all year, mm-hmm. had he just committed to that, I feel like he might be in a different position because I think you leave the season with questions as opposed to if Fields had played, even if he played mediocre and he had played the entire season and some of it's on Fields, I'm sure too, but. Had it all come together, at least maybe just maybe they would have said, all right, you know what, maybe things are trending in the right direction here. And you saw progress, but you didn't see anything because Fields wasn't on the field enough, especially in the first half of the season. I mean, he wasn't there. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's very, it's a bizarre set of circumstances. If you're Nagy, I think he was just trying to hold it together, trying to get a couple W's, but I don't think that was the right mindset. I think the mindset is develop the young quarterback, show progress in the right direction. You're probably not competing in that division anyway. But alas, you know, he tried to squeak out some extra wins with Andy Dalton, and I think he's the worse off because of it. Yeah, I just think it's a strange. It's as you say, it's a strange mindset. You've 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 paid Dalton when you probably didn't have to because you got Foles there. And to be honest, I don't think there's a big market for Dalton. I think you could have waited until the draft, then you get Fields, and then you're like, okay, right, we've got this quarterback. And I get not starting in week one, week two. He, I, I don't have a problem sitting there for three or four games, get it up to speed, play the veteran. I don't, I, I think that is a fine approach. I don't have an issue with that. I think, as you say, once you're getting into week five, week six, week seven, 
and you've traded up to get this guy. You're basically saying he's the franchise. You're not going to win the division anyway. No one's expecting you. I don't think the objective was playoffs or or you're out. I think you're at the point where you're thinking, well, okay, just put the guy on the field and see what he does. Um, but the coaching to fail. I mean, Justin Fields was in situations that he could not play in. Uh, he wasn't ready. He wasn't prepared. The offensive line was at times abysmal. Um, the play calling was abject. It, it, it was everything was just a mess. Um, and they looked better under Dalton only because Dalton called all the balls and he made reads and he did what a, a wily veteran does is he makes plays out of nothing. Um, not enough to make them a good team, but he got some W's. And I think, yeah, I think it's no loss. The only loss for me is, you know, I had Matt Nagy's obvious corner in the off season or during the season where I could quote stupid things that Matt Nagy would say, um, and that's gone. So I've lost two of my comedy bits. Yeah, you know, Matt Nagy's obvious corner and, and Dave Gettleman being a GM are, are big losses to me personally because, uh, yeah, there was a lot of material I got out of that, and that's material I'm never going to get again from from those guys. So, um, yeah, I think good riddance. Ryan Pace again, I think, um, yeah, I, I'm not shocked he's gone. I think uh, you. the only thing is I think they should have got rid of him last year. I don't know why you give him the power to, draft a new quarterback and then sack him a year later um, without a first round pick for a new GM. But yeah, I think we'll see what happens. But I don't think that's a bad job, you know. I don't think, I look at the jobs available and I think it's not the best, but it's certainly not the worst. I look at that job and think there's enough pieces there that would make me... Well, you have a young franchise quarterback, theoretically. So that that makes it appealing. It's not as appealing as the Vikings because the Vikings you can win now. But... You know, I still think that the Jaguars are oddly appealing because you have an owner that you know is going to be okay spending money, and you have a young franchise quarterback who I still think has all the future in the world ahead of him. So buy now on Trevor Lawrence wherever you can because it's it's only going to get better from here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not as high on you on the Jags job just because I just think you need a I'm GM high on there. Trevor Lawrence. That's <laughs> yeah, fair I mean, enough. You know, that when you, got, you either have the quarterback or you don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to tell true. you this. You watch the Buccaneers your whole life, right? You either have the <laughs> and I'm a Patriots fan, right? So you either have the quarterback or you don't. And for the better part of the last thirty years, my team has had a quarterback, whether it be Drew Bledsoe, whether it be Tom Brady, or whether it be Mac Jones now, who I think is pretty good. Uh, you know, but in this league, it is. It's the haves and have nots. So the jobs where you have a quarterback situation that you could build on already is great. And you know the the trick is though, if you come into the Vikings, do you does a new regime want to tear it all down? Does a GM just want to say, no, you know what? This isn't working. Or do they look at it as saying, Hey, Aaron Rodgers might leave. And you know what? We got the bears in a rebuild. The lions are still the lions. There's every reason to believe that you could go in there with the right strategy and win. And the only reason I think that Zimmer has gone is because Zimmer's a defensive guy. And at the end of the day, the defense failed last year and everyone gave him a pass because of COVID because the, the building wasn't full and there was a big building advantage and all that stuff. And this year, it was inconsistent again. It was bad for the most part. So yeah. at the end of the day, you get hired and fired for the same reason, right? You get hired because you're a great defensive mind, but if the defense doesn't play, you get fired for the same reason too. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, it's no shock. I mean, people talking about Spielman going uh, at the Vikings is, is a shock because he's been there for so long. I think at the end of the day, you need to change. He's been there 16 years. He's been the GM for 10. Yeah, okay, you got the, the NFC title game a couple of years ago, 
But that that roster's loaded. You look at that roster now and you think any coach, that for me is is the prime the prime job right now because any coach can go in there and buy themselves the next three or four years by getting into the playoffs next year with that roster. And it, it wouldn't take a lot. A couple of defensive picks, maybe some free agency signing on the defensive side of the ball. What do you need to do on the offensive side of the ball? Maybe a, an offensive line piece, maybe a tight end. That's about all you need. You don't need any receivers. You don't need a quarterback. Kirk Cousins is on there for the next year. You can kick that quarterback problem um, down the road for another year um, and decide what you want to do with the Cousins scenario. And people don't like Cousins, and that's fine. But Kirk Cousins is better than anybody that's going to be on free agency this year, and he's better than anyone that's going to be available in the draft this year. And if you want to win now, he's not going to cost you. So he's not going to win you the Super Bowl. Take an offensive head coach and then look for someone like a, a Flores or a Fangio to come in as a defensive coordinator to focus on that separately? It depends if they want to go experienced or if they want to go for a rookie head coach. So I, I would say that for me, if I'm Jacksonville, Vic Fangio should be hired at the defensive coordinator position at all costs. You spend whatever money it takes to go and get Vic Fangio if you're Jacksonville. And you go and get an inspiring young head coach, whether that's Biennemi, whether that's, um, yeah, Leftwich, whether that's, you know, I, I'd, I'd go and get one of those guys um, with Fangio as your DC, almost like the whole Sean McVay and Wade Phillips argument. You bring some balance and stability and say, I've got that side of the ball. Don't worry about that. You just look after your side of the ball and just get them playing, build a culture together. Vic Fangio's been in the league a long time. You know, he, he, it's a shame what happened to him, but um, I think if I'm if I'm the Vikings, I mean, to me, the Vikings is the job I think everyone should go for. I think it's the one that they'll probably hire first, and then I think we'll see what happens. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know who they go with. I mean, it'd be interesting to see when they – if they hire someone like Jim Caldwell, I think that would be a mistake. I think they're better off going young, but we'll see what happens. Eric Bieniemy would not be a bad fit in, in Minnesota. I think that would suit them quite nicely. That's who I would pick if I was going to be the GM, but it's not down to me. Joe, what would you do? <laughs> For which team? For the Vikings? Yeah. Uh, I don't, you know, I wouldn't hate if it was Caldwell. I think Jim Caldwell was a good football man. And I think he, you know, kind of got a raw end of the last situation he was in. Um, but, you know, Bienemy and Byron Leftwich, I think, are the two big prizes out there from an offensive standpoint. I think both of those guys deserve a look. And I think, you know, especially, you know, with the league losing another African-American head coach and Brian Flores, you see a lot of teams are going to be looking at that. And the NFL is going to be looking at that, too. But, you know, I'm always of the mind of the best person should get the job. It doesn't matter what it is. But at the same time, I think in the last two years, especially last year, too, why the enemy didn't get nearly as many interviews as other people is very puzzling to me because I think he's done a very good job. And and I think the and it's funny because now a year over year, you know, the bloom is off the rose a little bit with. <laughs> with the Kansas City Chiefs offense a little bit, right? Big difference. And it, it begs to differ, well, is that the enemy's fault or is that Mahomes growing into being Mahomes and wanting to do things always his way, possibly? You know, you don't know the ins and outs of all these teams. And I, I to me personally, football is a very simple thing. It's either you have the personnel and then you have the right personality to lead them or you don't. And it's just, it, I've seen it happen a lot of times and it doesn't matter if it's, you know, peewee football, or if it's all the way up to high school or college or, or the NFL level, you have to have a, 
a coach who people are going to buy into and play for, which is very important, which is why I thought, like, the Lions this year, for all of the nonsense of the Lions, the Lions have no quit in them. You know, they really don't. It's very it, – Dan Campbell, and I was the biggest guy making fun of Dan Campbell was a press <laughs> conference and nonsense. I really did. But you know what? Those guys play for him. Like, they they, they show up and they compete, and I think that's really impressive. Uh, and to answer Jack's question here, I don't think Joe Judge is going to have a job. I think Gettleman is retired – uh, and whoever the next GM comes in, the GM will come in and hire his own coach, and Joe Judge will not be there. I would be shocked because that's the other thing. Like, there's a guy where I don't think the guys are playing for him, and I think that's no. a perfect example of it. I mean, you look at how they played the Giants the last six weeks of the season. Um, they were they gave up. Ugh. They were. Well, they I would were... give up too if Jake Fromm was playing quarterback, but at the same time, it's just you know, so I, you, it's just terrible. It's just, that... like, the whole thing just feels flat, and they've been so bad for so long. And the Giants aren't used to that. You know, the Giants, no. right now, if I told you you could have the future of the Giants or the Jets, which one would you prove? I, I mean, you, you would obviously pick the Jets because of right. what they do have. Think about but, what I you mean, just said. You'd obviously pick the Jets over the Giants right now. <laughs> That's a stunning set of circumstances, I think. It, it, it really is. But the thing with the Giants, and, and this sums up them, I mean, first of all, they, they've not drafted well over the last few years. But then. Mm. You look at the situation. Who who goes into the market for a backup quarterback and says, "Mike Glennon, he's our guy. He's the guy oh. that we're going to have." And we're going to, you know, you could have had Gardner Minshew. You could have had. I mean, I know Blake Bortles is a bit of a comical joke, but Blake Bortles can sort of play. Mike Glennon can't play. He hasn't won a game in seven years in the NFL. Yeah, like, I don't. I don't. He, he must be an awesome guy. He must be just like the best. <laughs> Like that's the thing. at the end of the day, a lot of these backup quarterbacks who stick around the league for 10, 15 years, you got to worry about this guy just must be amazing, you know, he's an amazing guy to be around, you know, he just he like you show up in your locker room and like your your locker's all cleaned out and he's got like air fresheners in the lockers or he's you know he's taking all the mud out of your cleats, he leaves you little candies on top of your stool or something like that before you sit down. You go, oh look at this little chocolate there for my, ooh, how nice! Like I can't imagine, but it's it's stunning. The best job in the NFL is backup quarterback for sure. Yeah, there's definitely been if you if you look at the Buccaneers depth chart, there's a guy that has been the backup quarterback there. Well, not even the backup, the backup to the backup, Ryan Griffin. Ryan Griffin's been paid by the Buccaneers organization for seven consecutive years. Um, I think he's played I think he's played about eight snaps in the NFL. He's had a Fair very long paid. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he's had a lovely career. Um playing a couple of preseason games <laughs> and filling up water bottles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a lovely cracking, job! Cracking tan and bank balance to go with it. I'm sure. I, mean, I think he's made something in the region of like 15 million dollars. <laughs> We're all in the wrong industry. Um, we are. We are. Moving on to um, where, where do you want to go? Anthony Lynn, or do you want to go to last weekend? What happened? I mean, let's skip Anthony Lynn. You know, he's gone. Yeah. He's been fired for the second consecutive cycle. I expect him to go back to college. <laughs> do you think anything different, Joe? <laughs> For Anthony Lynn? Yep. Uh, no, I mean, he'll get a job somewhere. There's another <clears> job <throat> opening somewhere. He'll work. But uh, Anthony Lynn, again, very good man. Uh, good football coach, I think. But, you know, look, it, maybe it is a college situation or something like that. There's certainly enough college openings right now. Uh, that's for damn sure. But it, the, the tricky thing, too, is, you know, there used to be a once upon a time where you'd be looking to the college ranks for the next NFL coaches. And that, that was something that happened in the 80s and into the 90s a bit. But just really, just not a thing anymore. There's, there seem to be exclusive now. It's like they, they come from other coordinator positions, 
And that's pretty much it right now. And the guys, and, and unfortunately the Urban Meyer experiment only could have made that situation worse, I think. So. Well, I, t- to be honest, you know, I, I, I don't profess to claim that I know Urban Meyer's logic or way of, of working well, but having watched Urban Meyer teams, especially being at Florida, he's not a, he's not a coach. <laughs> like people sit there and go, he's an amazing coach. No, 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 no. The guy isn't a great, he's a great recruiter. He, he recruits great players and then hires coaches underneath him to go ahead and build a team and then he produces results on the field. That's what he does. He, mm-hmm. he produces results from outstanding players, some of the best players in the country. He, he is very good at recruiting players and getting them to buy into something at an early stage. But the man's a piece of work and I'm glad he's the only gone. college coach that I think there's this talk about coming back to the NFL I guess at the minute is, is Jim Harbaugh can you see him no. landing anywhere I think, it would be, I think it would be shocking for him to leave I think he's got so much capital now having beaten Ohio State and having made it to the the national cha- well having made it not the national championship but made it to the college football playoffs I think is astounding and you know the problem is if you're not an SEC team once those other teams come in there they get their doors blown off typically you know, I mean, Cincinnati was a very good football team. There's not in the same class. The same thing, Michigan's a good football team. It's not in the same class. So it's a very difficult thing to see that happening. And the, the most troubling thing with the Urban Meyer stuff is that if he was doing it at this level, you had to imagine where these kids were on scholarships, you know, scared out of their minds to do anything wrong for this guy. And you got to imagine what kind of abuses of his power have been going on for decades. And I think that's the that's the thing that's most upsetting to me is you know if he was doing that stuff to professional athletes, you can only imagine what he was doing to 19, 20-year-old kids. And I think that, to me, is appalling. And I, I'm actually, frankly, surprised that more stories haven't come out about him. But they will. Players. I'm sure they will over time here, but, you know, that was, you know, I think we all kind of threw our hands up and went, well, I guess we'll see, right? I mean, this guy's got something reputation. But, I mean, you know, the last guy that I think he had a shot was Saban. And Saban, I think, just didn't like the NFL. Like, I, I think if Nick Saban had stayed in the NFL, the NFL would have been better for it. I mean, Nick Saban's a great football coach. Um, and Nick Saban was around in the NFL for years. I mean, he was on Belichick's staff with the Browns. I mean, he was all over the place, you know. So he was an NFL guy who happened to be a very successful college football coach. But Saban's the one guy who probably would have been able to buck that trend. But at the end of the day, it was, you know, it's very tempting to say, here, here are the keys to the castle as opposed to being a head coach in the NFL where you don't have that. And I think I think you've hit the nail on the head there because when you're when you're a head of a college program, you get everything. You get the ability to do so many different things. Your job is so diverse. It's not just coaching, it's the recruitment side. Oh yeah. It's building a sustainable way. And the money's phenomenal. The money is better than it is in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It, it's the stability, just is. the money, the yeah. the control. I think for for a guy like Saban, it's about the control. The same thing with Parcells. It was about the control for Belichick to a certain extent. It was about the control. You know, the great 100%. coaches they want to have the control, and I don't blame them. You know, and the only the only college coach in the last five six years that's come out and done half a good job is is Cliff Kingsbury, and actually he wasn't that great a college coach. He was. <laughs> I, you know what? I gotta say it's a time he's not a great NFL coach either. I mean, he's kind of been saved at the end, but he was looking real dicey there for a couple of weeks. And the one guy to me that, you know, Matt Rule came in like a house on fire. And I thought at the beginning of this year, I was like, wow, Matt Rule's really got this thing going here. And I, I'm i surprised that he held on to his job because I thought that was a team that fell apart at the seams. And I don't know where the hell the direction of that football team is going. 
I did not like his demeanor in the press conferences either. I thought it was a lot of unprofessional stuff that he was doing there. I'm just shocked. And I know it was a very frustrating year. And everybody knows my thoughts about Cam Newton. And I thought it was a joke to begin with. And I was laughing when they brought him back. And, you know, sure enough, two weeks later, he was laughing again. I just, I don't get it. I don't get why at the end of the day, Matt Rule was able to survive letting go Joe Brady, letting go, like, it was somehow Joe Brady's fault. Like, I understand, yeah. like, the whole thing falls apart. I don't know, man. Matt Rule, I think, is on thin ice. I'm shocked that he kept his job so far. I mean, there was the report that came out that David Tepper is not happy. They said they were always going to bring him back and let him have the start of the year. Um, I just think because they're a young squad. I think that's the only thing that saved him. I think that's yeah, the it, only thing but, that saved but him. But I'll ask you this question, Murph. Do you think that the Carolina Panthers are better positioned this year or last year? Like, I think they took a step backwards. I think after last season, this time last year, I felt better about the Panthers than I do this time in 2022. And I don't think anybody could say differently. I agree. But then the big part of that is that Teddy Bridgewater under center, who can, is at least competent. Sam Donald has proven that he's not competent. I know. He shouldn't be in the position. Cam Newton isn't good enough. PJ Walker, they're bringing back. I, I, mean, I would have just given the job to PJ Walker and just seen what he can do. You, might as you well. know what you're getting with Donald. You know what you're getting with Newton. I don't know. He just didn't roll with PJ Walker and just say, hey, see what happens. I think they've got some areas where they need to to work on um, in, in, that, in that franchise. But the way I look at them is, they're an arrow up team. I think they can take a if they can get that quarterback position sorted. And see, that's the team that should have signed Gardner Minshew last year. I look at teams and think, why didn't you sign him? Like, why has he ended up in Philadelphia? <laughs> like, I'm just sitting there thinking, you you can get a quarterback in there, and I think with the roster that they've got, they can they can make some moves because the rest of that division's pretty poor, other than the Bucks. So you're not going to beat the Bucks next year. Fine, the Saints. Who knows what's going to happen with the Saints next year? Who knows? And then you've got the the Falcons. Well, they're not going anywhere because they've got Matt Ryan under quarterback, under center. I just think if you get a half-decent quarterback in there, I think they could trend up. But then I think if they start less than 500 over the first six games, he'll be gone. I think, he, I think he's got the shortest leash. I think he's probably got the hottest seat in the NFL come next season. Because Tepper won't put up with it. Fair enough. So, Week 8, we touched on it a bit earlier. Week 18, even. We touched on it a bit earlier. Can somebody please explain to me what happened to the Indianapolis Colts and why <laughs> they find themselves sat at home now? I, I wish I had an answer. Anybody? You? <laughs> I, I got a couple. One, they've not won there in seven years. Um, and they're a division not... rival, so they play every year. Um, yep. Two, Carson Wentz. Carson I think you Wentz. can blame some of it on Carson Wentz. Um, and Frank Rank's a really good uh, delegator. Well, he's a good football coach, Frank <laughs> yeah, Rank. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny. Some teams just seem to have each other's number, and the Jaguars yeah. are one of those teams that seem to like, have the number. I don't know why. But, yeah, it's very puzzling for sure. It's a perfect storm, isn't it? I think you looked at the Jags yesterday, and I think they just decided, those players just decided that they'd had enough. They just had enough of, of sucking. Uh, I will say across the league, divisional games in week 18 has to stay. Yeah. yeah. Because if that was any other game, as good as the Colts were and as bad as the Jags were, that that game gets folded. It was a divisional aspect. Same with the Chargers and Raiders game and things like that. And That's what made those games have that extra edge to them. 
was the fact that the divisional games. And I think you could see you could see it in Trevor Lawrence, like when he's talking to the press yesterday. You can just see that they all meant business yesterday. They all decided. They all got together and went. <laughs> this has been poor, but you, you're only as good as your last football game. If you go out and win the last game of the season, you got the number one pick in the draft. It's a pretty good off season. Like it is. You've got that to build on. People will look at that last game as a fan base and go, there's something. As you say, the, the Trevor Lawrence effect, you've got all of that now. I think um but I think the Colts I think the Colts came in half baked. I think they thought we'll steamroll them. I think they got a little arrogant. Um they didn't play with any urgency when they got behind. And the league got too big and they only started to play when the game was outside. If they if they turned up and did what they did early in the second half towards the, the end of the first half, they might have had a chance. I just think so, being a Jags fan feels like being a, an average golfer right now. It's been dreadful all year. You're bird of the 18th and you get all this hope about the next round to come <laughs> again and it's going to go back to square one when you start on the first again next year, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's a strange one, but we'll see we'll see what happens with them. But yeah, oh well, the Colts, uh, the Colts go home um, and we get yep. the pleasure of having the Steelers in the playoffs. So that's always great. I enjoy having the yep. Steelers in the playoffs to, to go out in the first round. <laughs> uh, but I got the, 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 the unenviable task of heading into Arrowhead as well. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, I know, it feels like Big Ben's Final good hurrah is uh, going on week after week after week at the minute. We we had his last home game, and we had his last game, and now we've got another last game to look forward to. So he's um, he's certainly making it it last as long as he can. So um, another really good thing to come out of the weekend is the fact that Sean McVay is now defeatable once he's leading at halftime, which I'm sure everybody is really pleased about because they no longer have to hear about this amazing record he has. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, finally. Um, yep. I think I think George Kittle said it best uh, yesterday um, in his press conference, where he talked about the he called it it would be a body bag game, it would be heavy on offense and defense, and it was. And then uh, the Rams put that as a quote, and they used it as motivation. And then um, it, you know he was getting it chirped in his ear, and he said, "A lot of time left on that clock, boys." And then he, him, and Jimmy Garoppolo and Co. all turned up and. I think the 49ers are in a bit of a sticky situation now because you've got to roll with Jimmy G next week, right? Joe, you've got to yeah, roll with Jimmy Yeah, you G. have to. I mean, I, I look, I give Garoppolo a lot of pr- credit for playing hurt and coming away with another W against uh, Sean McVay. I mean, it, you know, boy wonder Sean McVay, I got to tell you, you know, <laughs> that's another one where this is very puzzling. I, I know he's got an incredible mind for football. 
Um, I just wonder at a certain point, too, in terms of being a head coach, if he's somebody who's better off being an offensive coordinator than a head coach. I, I just I just wonder. I don't know if he's got the discipline for the head coaching thing because I don't think you can let the San Francisco 49ers beat you at home in this situation. I just don't. I, I think it's a, a five and six in a row now, right? It was five going in. I don't know. It's very appalling to me that you can have that happen to you. And, and I know there's no home field advantage in LA. I get all those things, all that stuff. But from a 49 standpoint, yeah, I mean, Garoppolo deserves the shot to play. I think Garoppolo will be playing somewhere next year else, not named San Francisco. And I think he'll be one of the retread guys. And you're going to see a lot of them because it's not a strong quarterback class. You're going to have Corral. You're going to have Ritter. You're going to have Pickett. Maybe one or two other guys will you know, all of a sudden become the scouting darlings, but it's not nearly the same quarterback class as it was last year. And you have a lot of older guys kind of aging out or retiring or moving on. So it's going to be musical chairs. It's going to be fascinating, but you're going to see Minshew, I think, get a shot at a starting job. I think Trubisky is going to get retreaded somewhere. I think you're going to see a lot of things uh, next year that are going to blow your mind at the quarterback position. It's going to be wacky. And I also think Davis Mills is going to stick in the Texans too. I really do. I I love Davis Mills. Uh, Me too. He won me a lot of money yesterday. Yeah, I love those. <laughs> <laughs> Do share. How did he win you a lot of money yesterday? Well, uh, DraftKings is yes. the millionaire maker. I actually, it was my best finish I've ever had in that contest. I finished 300, number 300 overall. I've never finished that high before in that contest. On a FanDuel one, I've gotten closer than that sometimes, but never on the DK one. And Davis Mills, 1.7% rostered. And I only play one lineup in that bad boy because I figure, what's the difference? <laughs> like, so I played one lineup and it had Mills and it had Singletary and it had a lot of good things in it. It had Diggs and, you know, but Mills was just like, look at it. And as soon as they got behind in that game, I went, perfect. I was like, excellent. Let's go. <laughs> this is the perfect scenario because I saw them losing in the second quarter by like two and a half, two touchdowns and a field goal or something like that. At one point, I was like, well, nothing but to throw the ball now. So, but I, I think, you know, like I said, it's going to be a really weird offseason when it comes to the quarterback position because you're seeing a changing of the guard and you're seeing a lot of movement and you're seeing the combination of a lot of other young quarterbacks too that people are either going to give up on real quick or, you know, they're going to ride out and it's going to be very different next year than it was even this year or the year before. So let me ask you this. You're, you're the quarterback guy, right? I you know, who I go to for, for quarterback <laughs> advice. A quarterback right? we whisperer. Look, we, look at, we look at who effectively are in play. Mm-hmm. Jameis Winston, mm-hmm. um, Gardner Minshew. Um, uh, they're probably like Minshew is a fascinating guy if you gave him a team to play with. Yeah. I mean, that's how I feel about Minshew. I don't think Minshew is great. I think Minshew's good, but I think Minshew's a personality that yeah. I think guys want to play with and for. And that, you know, I keep going back to that same theme in the show today, but that's important. And I feel like if you dropped him into Pittsburgh, if you dropped him into one of these kind of places where you have him, here's a great running back and, and you know, a great wide receiving core or whatever, you know, different situations maybe, you could see success out of somebody like that. Um, I keep coming back to Trubisky because he has such a good preseason for Buffalo and all the negativity around Matt Nagy and everything, I think somebody's going to be real interested in him because he said all the right things and he performed well in the preseason. And he's still very young. And I think somebody say, well, there's a project, you know, the Sam Darnold experiment didn't work out, you know? So I think that experiment's done. Winston, I think is uh, another one too. I mean, what do the saints do? I don't think you can win a championship with Taysom Hill playing quarterback. I just don't. Um, Peyton's got a lot of soul searching to do also there. And I don't know if Winston's going to be a highly regarded guy either. I think he had his opportunity this year, and I, I don't think he made the most of it, unfortunately. Well, he got hurt. Not, I know, I know. Him. That's it's not. I can't. I can't put it on him. But the NFL doesn't care. 
No, no. Like, he didn't make the most of it, not because it was his fault, necessarily, although he wasn't perfect when he played either. But he just, you know, if you're not on the field, they can't evaluate you at the end of the day, and that stinks, but... It's I think it's going it to be. I think it's going to be an interesting cycle. I think there's a few QBs knocking around who are going to be. You know, you talked about Jimmy Garoppolo. He's available for trade. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers could effectively move. Although why he'd move to Denver, I'd have no idea. <laughs> I. Everyone keeps wouldn't it be something if he took Lafleur with him? I can't see that. I think he'd take Hackett with him. I mean, who knows? I, he it, loves Hackett. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett, when Nathaniel Hackett went for a head coaching mm-hmm. job last year, he called up the team that he was going for an interview with and gave him a and gave him a personal letter of recommendation. Like he went off his back and did that. Like it, it's not an Aaron Rodgers thing to do. Like Aaron Rodgers will play somewhere else because every yeah. great quarterback does. It's very yeah. hard to find the great quarterback, especially the all time great ones. Dan Marino is the only one off the top of my head. That I remember going some not going somewhere else, right? Aikman. Well, Aikman's career got cut a little short, and I don't think I put Troy quite in that category of Marino, Montana, Manning, Brady. Elway's a good one. Elway's the other one. You're right. Elway did not. He could have, but he chose not to. I think that was out there. There were teams that actually wanted him. And he was like, no, I'm just going to end on the high note kind of situation. But most of them do. And I could see Rodgers doing that. I mean, if Rodgers – I think Rodgers retires or plays somewhere else, I don't think he comes back for the Packers next year. No, I, I'm with you on that one 100%. Um, you know, I was going to say, it, what do you make of this playoffs then in terms of – in fact, before we do that, prop bets for this week. I don't know if you've had a chance to look yet. Maybe it's a bit not. early. Um. But with these lineups, you know, you've got wildcard round coming on now with um, the AFC and the NFC. I mean, there's some tasty fixtures. What What are your sort of thoughts on this playoff schedule um, for next week? Super wildcard weekend as they keep rubbing it in our faces and telling us that it's... Well, it's I mean, super it's, for us. I mean, yeah. you know, we are the major market where they do play. I mean, you know, just saying <laughs> they do. Um, yeah, I mean, some really good football games. I mean... I think there's always that handle where you feel like you know which way they're going to go. I would not be surprised so far. Like the first one that popped to me right away was I think San Fran can go in there and beat Dallas. And uh, that was the first one that jumped off the page for me. I feel very confident that Tampa will take care of their business. Uh, I feel confident that Kansas City will take care of their business because I think at the end of the day, Pittsburgh's just a little outgunned. Uh, And I think Cincinnati's going to take care of their business. Cincinnati, let me tell you, man, those Bengals are for real. Joe Burrow's super for real man i love joe burrow i love the swagger i loved him in college uh people didn't think you know they said well he's a one-year wonder and then he looked real good in the pros he hurt his knee and he came back i don't know man i believe i mean the las vegas story is a great one but i don't think they have the firepower to keep up with cincinnati i just don't where they start to get a little dicier is when you get to those other games um new england and buffalo you know is the third time they're matching up theoretically buffalo should beat them like they really should but you know, even that last game, there was a couple moments where the Bills really gave the Patriots opportunities. And this was the game in New England. And they didn't take make the most of them. And the Patriots haven't looked good here in the last month of the season. There's no doubt about that. They haven't looked as good, that's for sure. So Buffalo should handle their business. But the San Fran game, that one to me is the one that stands out. And then Arizona and the Rams, I mean, flip a coin. 
I mean, both these teams drive me crazy. I mean, they none of them play as well as they should. In theory, it should be the Rams, but it would not shock me if the Cardinals ended up winning this football game. Not shock me in the least. Well, I think both both teams have kind of just dropped off, haven't they? Oh, yeah. um, both teams have kind of fallen apart. I mean, you've got two quarterbacks that are playing miles below where they were at the start of the season in, in Stafford and Murray. I think both quarterbacks have been average at best. I think it's probably been a bit kind um, down the stretch here. I don't think um, I don't think teams are going to be overly worried about them. Famous last words. One of them is going to end up turning up and, and going to the NFC title game or even the Super Bowl. But uh, <laughs> I, I just think, yeah, I, I, that's the game I'm probably the least interested in, believe it or not, because I just think they're two teams that, if the season's two weeks longer, they don't get in. Neither. Yeah, I think they're two teams that would be glad to be playing each other because they are both teams that have limped over the line and both actually will fancy this as a chance to, to right the ship and, yeah. and actually try and build that momentum into the other rounds if they can get through this one. Not big travel either. Arizona and LA, you know, it's not a million miles to go. It's not too bad. And mm-hmm. both playing in the heat. So, you know... These teams both have a ton of talent on them. The problem is their execution mm-hmm. at times is just... Stunningly Shocking. inconsistent. Yeah, and, and and that's the weird part. And, and that's what... They're in because of their talent, but they're on the fringe because they haven't played good football. And that's the thing. They keep eking out a couple victories here and there and, you know, not looking good down the stretch. And look, one good game can change all that and all of a sudden the momentum goes. But of all the teams that have momentum right now, you know, you would think Dallas has a little bit of momentum because the defense has played so well. But again, like San Fran, I feel like is going to go into that building and beat them for some reason. I don't know why I think that. I don't want that to happen. I'd rather see the Cowboys in it. I don't like the Cowboys, but I think that's going to happen. And Cincinnati, I'm rooting for personally to go far. I'd love to see that team kind of, you know, kind of shock a lot of people. I think that would be very fun. So I'm on the complete other side of that. I really want the Raiders to win. You want the, you know, here's, here's why I want the Raiders to win because they've got an interim head coach. Who's done a phenomenal job? How the hell are they in the playoffs? I don't know. <laughs> Which is amazing. You know, their, their coach gets fired because somebody weaponized emails from two years, three years, four years, five years ago, whenever those emails ended up coming to light. Well, in all fairness, somebody wrote I mean, stupid emails three or four I years ago. I completely agree. And listen, I'm not trying to defend John Gruden because yeah. John Gruden is, is a piece of work. Uh, he can go on the Urban Meyer. He's pilot. a piece of something. Yeah. <laughs> and he can join Urban Meyer in that little corner of people we don't ever want to see in the NFL again. But I still think that the timing of that and everything punished an organization that didn't deserve to be punished the way it did. And they've had to really come through some pretty, I mean, the rugs thing. Um, you know, they've had a couple of players who have done stupid things. Yes, you can point to that saying organizationally, or you can point to that and say that's kids in Vegas being silly and, and, and not following the rules or whatever. You've got, you know, so many different things. People writing off Derek Carr every week, who's done a phenomenal job this year, really. And, and you know, you're, he's playing his number one receiver is, is Hunter Renfro, who was drafted. Where was he? I don't even know where he was drafted uh, in, in the NFL draft. I mean, I just think what the Raiders are doing is cool. They've won four straight. They just they play tough. They're not one of those teams that are the most skillful. They're not one of the teams that are the most um, passionate. But... They're just one of those teams that just get it done. Get it? They win ugly. They're like a a throwback to those seventies John Madden teams, mm. but they just get it done. They just get it done. There's no 
There's no moaning. There's no complaining. Those John Madden teams had a lot more talent, though. On they defense. did. 100%. 100% they did. But I'm just saying, I think... I, I just think the Raiders are a cool story. I'd like them. They are. I, I, love the, I love the Bengals as well. Like, it's a tough one. But I, I just... I've got this sneaky suspicion that I just think the Raiders are going to shock the world uh, this weekend. I really believe that they're just going to pull something out. Derek Carr's going to show the world. Murph and I are going to be texting during that game. I can sense <laughs> it right now. <laughs> uh, 100%. I just, I'm excited for the Raiders. I really am. I think great franchise. Um, it's great. In fact, you know what? It's great to see both those teams in the playoffs after such a, a long time. I mean, it's not quite as long for the Raiders. It's only been about five years, but the NFL um, should be a little worried by the way, because the Patriots are a year ahead of schedule. They should not be in the playoffs this year with a rookie no. quarterback. And they are, and they have cap room next year. And if they add Michael Thomas, or if they add another, a Calvin Ridley or somebody like that a kind of weapon, Devonta Adams, if he doesn't I get think tagged. Adams is going to get franchise tagged, but mm. there's also the argument that, if Rodgers leaves, blow up the whole thing and just yeah. start fresh. Why bother? They're going to give him something else to work with next year. And when he has that with the run game they have currently in that defense, look, they're ahead, like I said, they're a year ahead of schedule right now. And and they're not going to win in Buffalo, I don't think. I, don't, I think it's possible, but I think unlikely. But just the fact that they got there, I think the NFL should be really <laughs> just looking around at each other, going, "How the hell did we let this happen again?" Because that's what it feels like right now. He, you know, the the, the forty nine this should take Mac Jones at three, and this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah, right. You would think, and, and you know what? The funniest part is, I mean, I like Mac Jones as a quarterback. He did a great job at Alabama, but it's specifically in New England where he fits perfectly because they play mm. a certain brand of offense that's about timing. It's about getting rid of the ball in the right spot at the right time. And it's and it's not a lot of quarterbacks in that class can do what he does. But he can't do anything that, you know, some of the things that Trevor Lawrence can do. And he certainly can't do some things that Trey Lance can do either. So raw quarterback potential? I had Lawrence at one, uh, Lance at two, and then I had Fields at three, and then I had Wilson at four, and I had Mac Jones at five. But at the end of the day, you know, which one of those guys is in the playoffs? Mac Jones starting. Now, don't give me Trey Lance because he's not the quarterback. He's just the backup still. That was weird. I I Jones it too. I really did. I just felt intelligence wise. I just felt that he would need a scheme to be built around him. He would have done well in that offense too. You know, yeah. most likely. That, I just that's think the, he was the most ready. Probably. He has the most ability. He's not phased by anything. He's an intelligent player, mm-hmm. and I think you know he's just got all those attributes where he can pick up reads. He can. We always knew he was going to pick up an NFL offense faster than most of these players because just there is just something about his intelligence level. That's, and I'm not saying the other guys are stupid. Far from it. But just when you come so from Alabama, you pick it up. Yeah. You had Mac at two. I presume you had Davis Mills at one. <laughs> I had Davis Mills at Who four, didn't? believe it or not. <laughs> Did you really? Fair. I yeah. really had Davis Mills at four. I just... I, 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 I mean, obviously, I wouldn't have taken him in the first round if I'm the GM, but I just there was something about Davis Mills I just fell in love with. Um, I watched his tape, I watched him play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but his pro day, his pro day was am- if you I just if you know what, if you can go and find it, go find Davis Mills. <laughs> That's what I thought about Lance's pro day. I was watching him throw balls, and I was like, man, some of these throws this guy's making. Oh, nah. go go and watch go and watch Davis Mills. <laughs> now in I'm the, going to I'm going in go the watch rain again. Go and watch it in the rain. Um, brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I was Lawrence. Um, so I, I weirdly at, at Lance at five. I just didn't buy the whole. It's great. He played for you know North Dakota State. Mm-hmm. 
yes, he's got all these amazing raw attributes, but the guy's not played anyone. He's not played anyone. Yeah, for me, I don't like one-year quarterbacks. I really don't like them. I don't like one-year quarterbacks. It's the same way I felt about Dwayne Haskins. It's like, oh, he threw 50 touchdowns at Ohio State. Great, he did it one year. Anybody can turn up for one year. Blake Bortles went to the AFC title game. I don't care. Well, in all fairness, I mean, Josh Allen played in Wyoming, for God's sakes, and a lot of people said the same crap about him. But the thing was, you watch Josh Allen film, and you go, well, you can't teach that. No. There's things that Josh Allen does that you can't teach. I can teach a guy to make better reads. I can teach a guy different wrinkles in offenses, all these things. Some of those things that Josh Allen does in a football field, you can't teach. And that's how I felt about Trey Lance, too. Sometimes you just watch it like, why well, you can't True. teach that. That's just instincts and athleticism and that combination when they come together is magical. But um, look, Josh Allen did it longer. He did it longer. He, he did tape. it longer. He did it longer, but he also did it in Wyoming. Like, it wasn't like, you know, like, it's like, it's like, it's not like you're doing it in the SEC. You know what I mean? Like, you're not doing, you know, that's, that's the only difference. He did do it longer. You're hundred percent right. But you know, COVID I think stole Trey Lance's season from him. And, uh, you know, I think he was smart to sit out because no good could have come from it. True. Two so, predictions. Here, then. Oh, go on then. Yeah. No, you go ahead. While you're here, we've touched on the playoffs. Talk us through it a little bit, Joe. Where's it go? Who makes the show? How does it finish up for you? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I'm going to stick with Tampa. Don't tell Murph. Earmuffs, Murph. I'm going to stick with Tampa <laughs> going all the way again. Uh, I just – I feel like they're the best combination on offense and defense. And I think in terms of execution, and they have the guy to lead them. And I think <laughs> – I honestly think you're going to have Tampa go in there again to Green Bay. And I think you're going to have Tampa beat Green Bay. And at the end of the day, everyone's going to look at each other and it's the same old thing, which is Tom Brady, unfortunately, for for the rest of the NFL, Tom Brady is just going to Tom Brady, everybody. The guy has got over 5,000 yards passing. He leads the league in completions. He leads the league in attempts. He leads the league in yardage. He is seventh, I think, in quarterback rating or something like that. I, I There's no words. And look, the defense has played better and they've gotten a little healthy on the secondary. And I think at the end of the day, it's like, what's the best combination of coach and quarterback and all those things coming together? It's probably Tampa. The AFC, look, the AFC, I think, is the Wild West. I think it's going to be Buffalo this year. I think Buffalo's had their hiccup. I think Buffalo has had their down point in the season. And I think they're starting to respond. And I think the thing with Buffalo is they're finally finding balance in the offense. Devin Singletary running the ball 20 times a game is the best thing that could have happened to Josh Allen in this offense because there's balance now. It's the things that the Chiefs still struggle with. They still struggle with it. At the end of the day, I've always believed in the Buffalo secondary. I've always believed in their defense. Losing White was a big loss, but I still think at the end of the day, if you're asking me, like, I I can't get behind the Titans. I want to. It's a good story. I can't do it. Kansas City just hasn't looked right to me all year, and typically the team that loses a Super Bowl typically gets, you know, falls off there. Um, I don't think it's New England. I'd love for it to be Cincinnati, but I have to be realistic, and I don't (laughs) think it's the Raiders. So at the end of the day, I mean, who's left there? Not Pittsburgh. So I actually think Buffalo can be. I think Buffalo and Tampa, and at the end of the day, it's another Tom Brady taking a young kid out back to the woodshed and teaching him a thing or two about football. <laughs> uh, we'll take that right now, Murph. Yeah. Yeah, Dan. Lock it up. You, Call it nice. What are you? What are you predicting? Um, I have a horse in the race, obviously, so it's a little bit more difficult. Um, I do too, but I got to put my horse to the side. <laughs> <laughs> I got to keep your, it real. <laughs> your horse is on three legs and a little bit shorter than the others, so <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> um, I actually do think the Titans have the edge. Having Henry potentially come back will do them some good, um, and I think you'll see potentially KC and Buffalo 
beat each other up a little bit uh, in a week's time, potentially, week and a half's time. Um, so I think the Titans will make the Super Bowl myself. Um, the NFC, I'd love to see Tampa Bay and Green Bay and beat them again. Um, I really think there's probably three or four teams in there that on their day. Tampa, I haven't haven't really been playing well. I think they can play a lot better. I think last year we were hitting this stage of the season on form and things were starting to click and come back. It depends how quickly we can get these guys fit and healthy and up to speed as to how we roll. Um, super happy getting the second seed, the potential other home game and the, and the Eagles to start because heading to uh, Arizona or having San Francisco come to us as it looked at one stage would have been a far different outlook going into next week. So I, I'm going to stick my neck on the line. I'll go Tampa to do it again. They've got all the pieces there. They're set up for it. So I just hope we can get fit and healthy. Wow. And yourself? So my preseason pick was a rematch. Kansas City okay. versus Tampa. And uh, I can't see it at this stage. I, I I really don't want to get excited about Tampa. I really don't. But I just... I think if we'd been the three or the four seed and had to have gone on the road to anywhere other than Green Bay, I'd be really nervous. I think if we yep. had to go to LA, I wouldn't have fancied it, even though I know they're off the rails. We don't travel that well. We definitely don't do long distance that well. Tommy um, loves the cold. He does. But, <laughs> but, I mean, does. L- but LA is weird. Like, I just think, I just, I don't think, I don't know what, I, I just fear this no, going to I mean, LA. You know, to, That's you what, feel good about Tom Brady and Green Bay in, in yeah, the middle of really, January. I feel good yeah. about it. <laughs> I've got no problem. Yeah. I, it's just, and the Green Bay Packers always fold. They always fold in the NFC. And the Packers will be favorites in that game. Mark it down. Yeah. They will be they will be three point favorites in that game. I can't At imagine least. it not being. I, don't, I, I don't. If... I wouldn't think it would push more than three because it is Tom Brady. But they will be favorites in that game, and Tom Brady will take it personally. And every time Tom Brady takes something personally, we all know how that story ends. Yeah. Well, he, he did it last year with three turnovers, and I can't see him giving up three turnovers again if he has to go there and do no, it all over again. So I think it, I think that I, I just look at that and I think and I think with KC, I just think. I think it's going to be the winner if 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 Buffalo prevail this week. It will be the winner of that KC Buffalo game, and I just think games. You talk about teams that have people's numbers. KC just seem to handle Buffalo. They do. They, they do, do seem right. to handle them, and that's. I don't think they're going to be worried about the Titans. I don't. I don't think anyone's that worried about the Titans. Um, you you put Titans are a great story, as you say. You know, to hold on to the one seed with no Derek Henry for half a season. I mean. You talk about gut. I mean, Mike Vrabel's got to win coach of the year for me. I don't even think it's close. I don't think you need to consider anybody else. I think you give it to Mike Vrabel for what he's done. Um, but I, yeah, I just see, I just see Mahomes Brady too. That's how I see it. I just think I can't look past it. Who's winning though? Because you haven't put your neck on the line. This is um, what ask ask me on Super Bowl Sunday, and I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Disappointing. Always KG. I just want the Bengals to win the whole damn thing because I just think it'd be fun. But they ain't happening. <laughs> I'd say that. I'd be I'd be happy for the Bills to win it. I'd be happy for the Bengals to win it. I'd be happy for the Raiders to win it. If the Bucks don't win it, um, I gotta be honest. Like all the just, AFC teams, I feel are. I mean, fun. I'm sure people will disagree with me. Like, but even so, the even the even the the Patriots. This team is a little bit more likable than some of the other yeah, teams past. All the AFC teams, I feel like, are feel-good stories. All the NFC teams, like, people hate the Cowboys. People are sick <laughs> of Brady. People hate Aaron Rodgers. People are annoyed with the Rams. People don't know who the Cardinals are. People are thinking about the 49ers, like, 
like, and yeah, they're really good enough to be there. And then the Eagles, <laughs> and then right? the Eagles I, like, yeah. I don't feel like there's one team on that NFC side that there's like a feel-good story. I don't think. I mean, I just don't. I there don't think there's a... No. There isn't, there isn't a feel-good story. The on AFC the is one side. giant collective feel-good story. The NFC is like, ugh. It's like watching reruns, I feel like. It, it, it's what... It's what... It's like roles are reversed from like five years ago. The NFC was all fresh and all these cool characters coming up. Even the like, stupid yeah. Steelers weren't supposed to be there. Like, and they, they're, they're like, oh, what a... Oh, it's Roethlisberger's last ride. Or oh, look at the look at the Raiders. Isn't that cute? They got in the playoffs. How adorable! And look at the Patriots with their rookie quarterback. And oh, Joe Burrow had knee surgery. And everybody likes Josh Allen. He's great. And Patrick Mahomes is the star. And the Titans didn't have Derrick Henry. What a good story. No narratives. None in the yeah. NFC. They all stink. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's the guy that avoided COVID. The forty-four-year-old geriatric. Right. Exactly. It's the Cowboys and people hate the Cowboys just on principle. And the Eagles are, you know, the Eagles. <laughs> like, you know, if you ask the national casual football fan to name five players on the Eagles, I bet you they can't. No. I bet you they can't. <laughs> I bet they couldn't even name the coach. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Just casual football fans. They'd be like, uh, Hurts? And... I mean, it's crazy. It's just crazy. You know, you have to give Nick Sirianni some credit because you know, he laid the seeds and he put in the foundations. And then what he did is he, he, he they built that up and they fed mm-hmm. that plant and it grew and it grew, grew and it and it grew and now the leaves are coming out. <laughs> You're getting very Jeff Goldblum on me here at the end. <laughs> I'm just using Nick Seriani's press conference when he yeah, talked about flowers good. for 20 minutes. I know. I remember it. It was good. Hey, it did the job. We laugh, but it did the job. I mean, I, I never thought Alan Titchmarch would be uh, would be a, a recognized thing in the U.S. Alan well, Titchmarch, by the way, Joe, is a, is, a, with... is, a, is, a, is a horticulturalist. He's a gardening guy on television over here. Ah, thank you. There now, you I, see, the more you know. That's why I always come, like coming on with you. I always feel like I leave a little smarter. By like, it's like having you on too, and what what a huge you know I remember coming on with you a couple of years ago for the first time and looking like you have Scott Hansen doing the freaking opening of the show and look at the bells and whistles and stuff you got now it's amazing man good on you look look how far this show's coming just a couple of years it's crazy and me I mean Scott and Dan yeah, I mean look Dan, Dan obviously the biggest uh, yeah I can't do the show without Dan Scott too. Hansen what are you about Jeez. yeah I mean who cares about that guy Scott Scott was great yeah he was on a couple of years ago and. Uh, uh, yeah, I asked him, would he do an intro? And he went, yeah, sure. And, they, and then I gave him the lines. He's Murph like, Don't can worry, get anybody to do anything. I swear to God, like, <laughs> Murph can ask a bunch of people, like, yeah, sure, it's amazing. I don't know how you do it, man. No, me, I they don't, don't, they don't, they don't come on with me. I know it all. It's only because I'm English. It's not because it's novelty. Good. So if I yeah. start asking people on Fantasy Pros, they're like, um, uh, excuse me, um, uh, Mr. Belichick, yeah. uh, <laughs> just sort of, um, I was wondering if perhaps um, maybe you'd like to come on the show, you know, just talk a little football. That's just a little bit. It's a very good football. I, I, well, I did live there for a bit, so I could possibly yeah. do it. But uh, no, I mean, seriously, like, you know, I can't get away with that. It's my new tactic. I'm going to steal it from you now, Mark. Do it. I'm going to see if it works. And if it works, then they come on the show with me and they say, what happened to your accent? <laughs> oh, He's not bearing this and I did. So. I'll have to do the whole show in an accent. That'd be hilarious. Oh my God, that'd be so great. <laughs> Welcome in everyone to Fantasy Pros. This is me, Joey P. Joe P. <laughs> talking football with you all for the next hour and a half. <laughs> Sorting through all your, your rankings and your podcasts and all sorts of things like that nature. It's Kyle Yates. Some other jabroni going to talk to me now. They're going to talk football for the next hour. <laughs> really do you know what you should do the next time you do a pod with Yates? Just start, <laughs> start talking. Start it in. Don't mention it. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I bet Yates like you just get this look on his face. I should do that just as a prank one day. I, I, I tell you now what will happen. Yates won't notice for the first two minutes. Probably not. He'll be so not focused, and he, he's yeah, not he's not looking, attention. and he's so yeah. focused on what he's going to say, and then he'll hear it and he'll go, "What the heck? What are you doing? What's wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, the dude, next time guys, I have you but... on, I think that'll be the plan. We'll Definitely do that together. Do just prank him. Just to see. Oh my god, he's so confused. <laughs> it's like, what's going on? There's British everywhere. It's spreading. It's like the, it's the what new are you talking COVID. about, Yates? <laughs> we all sound the same. What's what, what's problem? <laughs> um, so while we are here, we've talked NFL, we've talked football, we've talked playoffs. Let's have a quick look back, if we can, then about the the fantasy season, Joe. That's what you're, you're here for. So, oh. um. Let's have a little look if we can. So we're going to have a look at maybe some a player that you were you were higher on than consensus that that was a success. Oh, uh, let's see. Found deep in the doldrums. Well, I, I wish I had had kept the shares of Amon Ross St. Brown that I had drafted, but I had to let them all go because you know I needed players who are actually playing and doing something in the first six weeks of the season. And he wasn't. Uh, so that was one, and that worked out well for other people, not so much for me. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Waddle was on all three of the rosters I had that went to the championship. I mean, he was. Uh, so much Jalen Waddle I had, and uh, I was so happy because he absolutely hit. And then I guess on the inverse of that, um, players that I was right to fade away from that top grouping, um, Ezekiel Elliott, I know he's RB6, but he's RB6, you know, circumstantially, because the rest of the running back position fell apart. Mm. If you felt good about Ezekiel Elliott in here in the last six weeks, then I have to ask you why. I mean, just yep. why. It's just not good. All those touchdowns, that saved him. That's it. So that that I was I was certainly I had zero shares of Zeke I think this year and that worked out pretty well. Yeah. What about yourself, Murph? Any success stories you found deep down or anybody you missed that he was uh, right to? I mean, I mean Tom Brady um, felt very good fading. My, I mean, I, I took some Allen in places, but where Allen was just going a little bit too high. Um, all those teams have Brady. Um, yeah, Brady, I, I smashed, absolutely smashed. I think in so many rosters, he was in most of my championship rosters, and he delivered. As in fact, he delivered more than I thought he would. Um, so I was more than delighted. Um, so I think he he was a big win for me. I think um, I think I had him at four on my QB rankings at the beginning of the year, and uh, people thought I was a bit nuts. So. I'm quite happy to uh, be proven right. And then Mike Evans as well, not just to stick with Bucks themes, but I, I thought he would be good enough to get up there. Um, yeah, Jalen Water was another one as well. I, I had um, Michael Pittman. Uh, Deontay Johnson was another big one. So Deontay Johnson, I was. everyone was trying to convince me that it was Claypool over Johnson. I was Johnson over Claypool all day long. Um remember going on with Justin Boone and we ended up having an argument <laughs> on his show about it. And I was like, no, I just want, I just don't want any part of Claypool. If, if, you know, I can get Deontay Johnson two rounds. And, and the other one was Lockett over, over DK Metcalf. As I said to people that Lockett is going to be DK Metcalf, but you get him four rounds, four rounds later. Mm. Like if you want that player, <clears throat> just go and draft the one that's four rounds later. Um, and I don't know who, I think maybe, uh, I think Metcalf finished just above Lockett, but I think it was what three points, three or four points. It wasn't a lot, like, mm-hmm. and it was only because DK smashed it in. Yeah, yeah, thirty 17. points in week seventeen. Yeah. So I mean, like, <clears throat> you look at it and go, yeah, they were the same player. I thought they'd come out be very similar again. So 
they were the ones I was definitely higher on than consensus and and smashed it. And Brandon Cooks is another one as well. There's another one I smashed everywhere because he was just so cheap. Mm-hmm. What about someone that you you faded and, and rightly so, and it worked out okay not to pick up shares? Uh for me, someone that I was. Uh, oh wait, Murph, are you going back to Murph over the fade, right? Even raw, fire away, Joe. You're off. And wait, run. wait, I, I forget which one we're on. You want me to pick somebody that I <laughs> faded that was right or wrong or whatever? Right, someone you faded. And you're pleased you did uh, fade. I, w- I already talked about Zeke, so let Murph talk he about did. somebody. Yeah. I can talk Murph. about guys I faded that I was wrong, too. Oh, boy. <laughs> I've got a long list yeah. of them. <laughs> not, not too long. Just one or two like, oh, guys have. that I was out. And you know what? I should have been in, so it's fair. That's we'll get fine. to them, then. We'll get to them. Go on, Murph. Who did you fade successfully? Murph is researching. I could see him looking. Nah, like, I'm, just, I'm just putting out <laughs> finishes. Like, I wasn't, you know, I was like, I was right about everything, Murph. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of players I faded. Um, uh, I mean, Miles Gaskin. I just never liked that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one, but not a not a big win there. I guess Nick Chubb. I mean, he wasn't bad, but just at the price, I didn't. I didn't like it. Um, Calvin Ridley. I mean, I don't want to really take a, a victory lap on that one for what's happened, but I just didn't really want parts of that. Falcons offense, the same reason I faded Kyle Pitts. Um, I just never believed you'd ever get your return on him. Well, you were wrong on that one. He's tight end five. Well, yeah, tight but he one. didn't produce anything that was... Ah, okay, it's tight end five. Yeah. Tight end five is tight end five. Yeah, great. Uh, but uh, it's what? How many points was he from tight Look, end 12? Not many. <laughs> not many, but tight end five is tight end... A thousand yard uh, rookie tight end season is pretty good. Yeah, though. I mean, fine. Well, Did you see time, the PFF expected touchdown total was like six for him, and he had one. Well, yeah, I just didn't. <laughs> I didn't back Matt Ryan. I, that's why I saw it as well. I saw it. <clears throat> I saw his one. There you go. Claim to fame in person. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you, you should travel with the team. You it was in London, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, <it> was. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. So Tom, Tom Brady's on. ruined my reason I should move to Florida again because all Florida teams <sighs> stunk. Uh, yeah. when I left and I hadn't won anything. And then Tom Brady comes to town and Florida teams win everything. He's killed mm-hmm. my tourist board a- application. <laughs> Joe, let's flip that now then if we can. So who mm. was you high on and drafting? And sadly you have now a bucket load uh, sat on the side and you can't <clears throat> nothing with. I was super high on CD lamb and it, it, it wasn't as good as it should have been. I'll, I'll just come out there and say it, you know, like there yeah. were players that I, I, that I overranked, like Najee Harris I had as a top five running back going into the season, and he finished that way. And then there were players that I thought were going to be in that like top five conversation. I thought Lamb was poised to make that jump, and it just didn't mm-hmm. happen. Prescott had some missed time. Lamb had some missed time. It's too many other options in the offense. I don't know. For whatever reason, it just didn't happen. It might happen next year, but it was disappointing. It's the first time in a while where you know I targeted that, that kind of wide receiver, and it wasn't correct. So that one stung yeah. a little bit for sure. Fair. Murph, yourself, same question. Um, I mean, David Montgomery, although the redeeming factor was the teams that I held David Montgomery because I couldn't drop him. He did me very well over the last couple of weeks to win the yeah. ships, mm-hmm. but um, I far predicted him to be, um, I thought he'd be sort of top 12, pushing top 10. Uh, it didn't happen. James Robinson, I mean, he was a late bloomer on boards, but again, I thought he would be a bit better in you know, injury, whatever. Um, Robert Woods again injury, but he yep. was one I I had on so many teams, and that didn't happen. I don't think he would have reached the heights I kind of 
objected. Um, I advocated for Robbie Anderson absolutely everywhere, and that blew up <laughs> in my face uh, horrifically. Um, uh, I, I think they were like the main one, and then Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown was another one. I just thought, yeah, I had more a lot of AB. Into, I thought he'd eat a lot more into Godwin's. Share. Well, he would have had he not been eating crazy pills. <sighs> so. Yeah, you should always, but you should always just stay away from that. Those sorts. It's of so players. bad. It's so tempting though because he's so good. He's so talented when he's on the field. It's unbelievable. I mean, he could roll out of bed, not play in six weeks, and catch twelve balls for one hundred and forty yeah. and a touchdown. It's crazy. But you, you're right. You just can't. You can't depend on him. He's, there's no stability there. Yeah, I think it's done now. I think it's over. Yeah. And now um, you're worse on then, Joe. Who are those players that you weren't drafting? You was avoiding no matter what, and you got it wrong. Well, the biggest one, there. I think, for me is I was out on Jalen Hurts. Uh, I did okay. not – you know, in single quarterback leagues, I was very much out. Uh, and I think if you went to that strategy of having Jalen Hurts and then like a fringy Kirk Cousins guy, I think that worked out pretty well for you because you're able to put a lot of capital in other guys. So um, that was the one guy. And, and Superflex, I was more willing to take that chance. Mm-hmm. And not in the redraft, uh, regular old single quarterback leagues. And look, I mean, the guy produced, so I got to give it up to him. He absolutely did. Fair. Murph, yourself? Uh, Jonathan Taylor. I just didn't like Ooh, that. That's got to hurt bad. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, you I weren't just... the only one. I mean, Tags didn't like him either. No, Tags I know. was very worried about Jonathan Taylor. It wasn't the fact that it wasn't him. It was, it was everything else that, yeah. um, it was every it was it was just everything that went with him. It was mm-hmm. it wasn't it was the coach. It wasn't the talent. I just didn't think I didn't think he'd get all the ball. That's all it was. I just didn't think he'd get all the share. I did not mm-hmm. believe Frank Reich coming from the Doug Pedersen tree where they split the carries and Naheem Hines was gonna be a bigger thing and that was that was it. I just thought I didn't mind him on the turn on that, but he was never making the turn. So that was uh that was a big one for me. And then uh, the only other ones really, I guess, um, Chase was one. I, I that was my, I that sprinkled. was my big one. Yeah, I, I, I scooped up sp- all the Chase late. I drafted I no Chase. Oh, no uh, Chase. He started dropping receivers. balls and complaining that he didn't have a stripe on it and people stopped yeah. drafting him. I drafted all the Chase. It was so good. <laughs> when his price, when his price went down, I definitely made the most of it, but, uh, he was one. And then, uh, Debo never touched Debo. I don't think you know, I got him on any teams. I'm glad you brought that up because Debo's the guy that I love every year. And this year, I was like, "Stop drafting him. He's always hurt. You idiot. Stop oh. doing it." And of course, he ended up being great. So there you have it. Fair. Well, Debo's someone I was very high on. I can see that, Harry. Um, I love Debo. Drafted a lot of Debo. Very pleased I did. Um, player in a similar situation that I, I guess I missed on was Colton Sutton. I thought he'd come back from the injury a bit like Debo has done and produce and, mm-hmm. and sadly hasn't. So um, success and non-success stories there then, I guess. Um, Joe, just before we're done, can you tell people where we can find some more of your articles, what you're writing, what you're working on at the minute? <laughs> it's so much easier to not find me. Um, so just, <laughs> you know, uh, you could always find me on Twitter at JoePZP17. Yep. You could find me uh, hosting the Fantasy Pros podcast. We got yep. a lot of cool content still coming for football. We got draft content. We got betting pros. We got baseball content. And, uh, of course, the British Fantasy accent Football Black Book. British accent anytime you want. <laughs> any other accent. Uh, and then you got the June 1st, the Football Black Book will be out. And uh, the Baseball Black Book's out right now. And it's always uh, great to hang out with you guys and talk football. Thanks for having me today. 
Well, thanks for coming on as always. Love yeah, having you too. on. Love talking to you. We talk quite a bit uh, when it's probably more out of season than in season because it just gets so busy. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I'm excited for the Black Book when it comes out. We'll get you on before then. Oh, yeah, well sure. before then. We'll do some promotions. You've got my Black Books are all up here. Look at you. You're my favorite, uh, Murph. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait until we can eventually hang out and get them signed. Oh, I cannot wait, man. Someday. So it's it's going to happen. Damn that COVID. Uh, we got to... <laughs> maybe this summer. Write, we'll see. got to write that wrong, 100%. But now it's been Oh, look, and someone else has appreciated it. It's a good show. So it's always a good show when Joe's on. Follow oh, Joe yes, everywhere. Yeah. He's a great follow. Um, definitely check out the Fantasy Pros podcast uh, everywhere. Available everywhere. Definitely join yep. in. It's uh, a phenomenal show. And the, just because it's the off-season doesn't mean you shouldn't hit the subscribe button because you should follow the Fantasy Pros podcast and us. Because we're going to break down 2021. We're going to get you smarter. And if you missed out on those ships, you know, we're going to make sure you win them in 2022. We are. Guys, that for me just about wraps it up then. Anything you wish to add? No, just, oh, the other thing is we're doing our Super Bowl meetup. Uh, we are. So just make sure you check that out. We're partnered with the Warrior Bowl guys. Um, so do check that out. There are some prizes for those who buy tickets, some signed merch prizes i'll tease it i'm not going to say more than that but um there will be raffle tickets as a result of you buying it's all proceeds go to charity um but in london to hang up with people in london it's at the redwood so check out um the pin tweet on warrior bowls page and you'll be able to find it there super in that case then guys week 18 is been and gone for the well i said the first time the second time i guess there was odd beer way back but uh Playoffs are upon us. Uh, best of luck. Joe, thank you for your time. Murph, thank you for your time. And Murph, finishes off. Don't forget, as always, keep rushing. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.